podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 96 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with FanHub. Where the fans come first and also our retail partners, Fanatics. Delighted to say we've got a, a newcomer onto the show this week. Um, and more from him in a second, but yet again, Lee's, Lee's missing. Um, he's he's off on another another little jaunt. Um, something to do with some kind of paddleboard world championships across Lake Windermere or something like that. So he's he's off he's off doing that. So best of luck to Lee again. Again, we'll report back next week on on, on how he gets on. But delighted to say we've been joined by um, Evertonian, who's based at the moment in in raining New York, as he's just been saying to us before we started the show. The same as as Liverpool, absolutely horrific weather at the moment. And that's Jamie Ferguson. Jamie, how are you, mate? Very well. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Great, Sandy. Well, maybe you said for a little while we've been trying to sort things out, and it's it's been difficult with for one thing or another. But fantastic for you to to give us a bit of time this morning for yourself over over there. I imagine it's quite early. Uh, what, what are you? Twenty past eight? Are we in New York? Something like that. Eight, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to so forget about yesterday. Well, well, yeah. We 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 all want to forget about yesterday, but unfortunately we can't until we, until we've discussed it. Um, so yeah. we, we we may as well just dive dive straight in. Obviously. Yesterday was the the end of our our preseason campaign, a campaign you know we've had a couple of behind closed door games. We then went over to to Orlando and you know great time for the team there. Great to see so many American fans come out and support support the Blues over in in Orlando. And but you know all in all, a couple of good workouts over there. You know got won won the uh, the Florida Cup, um, a decent game against Pumas as well, which which we won and we came back to a, a difficult task against. Manchester United um, obviously didn't end the way that we would have wanted it to. Obviously, a four-nil defeat is never ideal in in any scenario. Um, what, what what are your thoughts, Jamie, on it? Because you know, it's, as I say, it's not wasn't wasn't great. You know, we I don't think by any stretch of the imagination we were absolutely battered. We had we certainly had chances. Uh, but, but but what what can you take from the game from that kind of pre-season fixture against one of our our Premier League rivals? I kind of think that after the games in Orlando, the opposition we were playing in Orlando, this just kind of showed us this is the tempo of the Premier League again. When we were playing over there, it was very hot. We were just getting our shape together. I, I don't think we really had a test at all. It was just we were cruising a bit. And very quickly after 20, 30 minutes yesterday, we found, okay, shit, we've got to get back up to scratch again. And maybe that was based around the other clubs who stayed in the UK have more intense sorts of games together so then match fitness was probably a, a bit better but um, we did have positives I think like Gray Damari Gray was really good he drives us forward but once he did that we didn't have a, an outlet we needed a number um, number nine and him playing in, in behind in my opinion um, we didn't have that the other stand out for me was Godfrey 
So I'll, I'll talk about the positives first because there's a few negatives. But I think Godfrey kind of showed what he showed a lot last season. And it was nice for the away fans to probably see his driving runs from the back. Um, but yeah, again, I think we were really missing even Moise Keane. I'm, I'm not sure if it was confirmed that he had the track and trace pin, but um, hopefully that's the case and he'll be back. And I'm not sure why Calvert Lewin wasn't there, but it just shows maybe we need to dip into the little money we have to get another backup striker because I really think we're missing that that outlet up front. We, we can have the wingers, we can have Townsend, didn't have a bad game, and it just shows his quality of delivery. We just need someone on the end of it. Lucas Dean put in a few crosses and but there was just no one there. So, all in all, I, I don't think it was awful. Um, I think there were glimpses of us playing decent football, and it can it shows that we were playing forward passes, which I think that was our frustration a lot last season. We were just going side to side and backwards. And we, did, although we did that a bit, I think there was a bit more impetus on Alan picks it up and really knocks it forward to Gray, and he was turning and going. So hopefully that's more of the same to come. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, obviously the way the way we set up, there was there was no striker. That effectively, you had you had Hammers playing in that that false number nine position. But I think the the, the sort of front three were quite were quite uh, free to roam, weren't they? Between themselves, Towns and Gray, like you say, I thought Gray was very very positive. From what I've seen of Andre Gray, I think it's a very very astute sign. And, and you know, he what we've lacked for so many years with that, that pace, he he certainly brings it and is is really comfortable carrying that ball. Um, and and you know defenders hate it when you go at them a pace you know whether it, whether you get past them or you draw a foul it puts them under under serious pressure and we saw it you know at times yesterday um, but the, the big miss obviously Dominic Calvert Luna had a, a toe injury from what's being reported I, th- I think he'll be back for the Southampton game but he's going to go into that game with no preseason at all um, so you know again that's another another dilemma we've got. Um, Moiskin rumoured, you know, he was pinged by Sack and Sace, the same with uh, Jean Philippe Gabamon, pinged by Sack and Sace, there was Andre Gomez missing from the squad as well. So there's, you know, there's, there's four players there, plus Richie Allison, who's just obviously won the Olympic Olympic Games with Brazil, to come back into that squad um, as things stand. But Peter, are, are, you, are you feeling the same as, as Jamie there? You know, there, there was a few positives, you know, if we, if we look past the, the scoreline and you know, individual areas has got to be said. There, there, were, there were a few things we can look at there and, and say, you know, there's a few little bright sparks going to the first game of the season. Yeah, I think so. I, I think you've got to have a pragmatic head on, haven't you? I, I think to look at the team sheet, we've not we've not got our two arguably most important players, um, you know, featuring in the game at all. I think if you asked any Evertonian, you, you know, Name your team sheet from sort of order of most important to least important. Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin would probably be in the top two, I would say, for 90% of fans. So, you know, the fact that we had to try and set a team up against United with, like Jamie said, no, you know, no out-and-out striker. Uh, it was a little bit of an impossible task, really. Um, and I think it was just about the, the players being, you know, as professional as possible and getting as much out of the, the occasion as possible. But then, on the other hand, the 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 whinging Evertonian in me looks at those four goals. I mean, we could take the free kick out of it for a moment, and just says that really bad goals to concede. I mean, the the, the Pickford sort of 
scoop flap into uh, into Greenwood's path. I, I mean, that it's just Jordan Pickford all over, isn't it? That you know, Jordan Pickford's best. You get what England got out of him, um, you know, in the Euros. At Jordan Pickford's worst, you get maybe two or three of them in a game, and maybe one of them, um, you know, goes the wrong way, and maybe it gets away with them. And that's you know that's the difference. I think if we wouldn't have conceded so early, the the scoreline probably would have been quite different. Um, or you know even we might have got something out of the game. But then you've got the header from Maguire that was more or less a, a free header for me. You know free kick that was just a bit sloppy given away. Um, and then the final goal as well was just you know it was another poor one to to concede. I didn't think there was a great deal Begovic could have done about it because it was a really awkward header with the way it sort of uh, looped over but uh, the player should never have been able to to get that contact on it in the first place so hopefully you know it's an opportunity to um, to sort of go you know back to do do some defensive work and iron out mistakes like that for for the first game against Southampton but yeah no I, I think you've got to be sensible about it I think Evertonians have to bear in mind the team we played is probably not going to be you know, hopefully we'll never see that starting lineup again in the, you know, in a, especially not in a Premier League game. So I think that's what fans have to remember. It was a friendly, um, we had to do the best with the players we had. But do you think though that going back to that first goal, I I had the my United commentary on, believe it or not, um, and obviously when you have individual sellers on, it's always biased for for their team. Well, we've been talking about Jordan Pifford at length you know, over the summer because of obviously his, his time with England and how well he did. Um, and, you know, fr- from January onwards, he was probably one of our best players. We said that as well. I think he was. He came back in for his first game yesterday. And, yeah, it doesn't look great when you, when you look at what happened. But from the way I saw it, I clearly heard Jordan Pifford shout after the first header. I think it was from Obobi who headed the ball back initially. And I, I heard the shout. It was audible. You could hear him say, keep us, keep us. And then Luca Dean has then headed it again from about, say, what, two yards away from the goalkeeper. So in my opinion, OK, we can we can still argue Pickford maybe should have done a bit better with the header back. But in my opinion, I think the blame more lies at Luca Dean's door. But I think the issue we've got is, and we've been sort of shouting at some of the for a little while, because of the media agenda against Jordan Pickford, the commentary I had on was straight away, it was all over Jordan Pickford giving him a stick. Um, social media was all over Jordan Pickford. All these sort of um, fan accounts, sort of generic football fan accounts were then all over Jordan Pickford saying, look what he's done, he's back again. You know? So this is where it all starts. And and for me, you know, you've got to take into account, one, players make mistakes, two, it's his first game back, and three, I thought Luka D was to blame more than, than Jordan Pickford. But what's your take on that, Jamie? What, what do you think? Because, you know, we, we always say it, we're, we're quite happy to criticise players if they, they deserve to be criticised. Uh, but we're also, you know, praise should always, always be, be praised as well. But it should never, ever be sort of offset by any kind of personal agenda. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. The the agenda against Pickford is just, it seems, seems to just be dropped for a bit. And then anything that's remotely near him, which is always, case because the keeper is just brought up again and every single fan of every team just has a piece just because he's England's number one now we watch them every week and as you said last season the back end of the season he was quality and showed glimpses of what 
he showed it um, at the Euros. And yeah, I'm, I'm a bit baffled by it as well. But I, I think we just need to stick with him and know that we have got a quality teacher. And if he does lose his head, like sometimes he does, he for one of them, he'll he'll make three world-class saves and make, make his the points up. And the good thing is we've got Begovic now number two, and he looks really solid. So for once we can go, okay, although Ancelotti said let's rest in last season, we can actually just go, okay, get to have two games off, and I'm sure Begovic will come in and be a great replacement. Yeah, we we said, I mean, it's always important that, that Jordan Pickford is pushed. Uh, that That's really important. He got it last season with Olsen. Begovic, I think, you know, for the, for the majority, he's looked solid, I think. I mean, his handling was very good, I thought, yesterday, from from the shots that he did that he did face. Um, so, we, we, you've got a good understudy there to help Jordan Pickford along, but I just I just find it, I mean, I think they, they, they tried to blame him for the Maguire header as well, saying, oh, it wasn't right in the corner. It was a, I mean, he shouldn't have been getting marked, I think it was by Luca Dean, first of all, but it was a great header, and it was going away from the keeper, you know, every single time, so... They've got it. This this agenda absolutely drives me nuts. You know, yeah, criticise him when he's due criticism, but not when he's not. Don't, don't find a reason to pick on him. Um, but like you were saying before, though, Peter, I think that you know the disappointing aspect of the game was the goals that we conceded because if we if we, if we sort of isolate them, really, I'd probably say all four were avoidable. The definitely you know individual mistakes for the first goal. Soft free kick, most definitely from from Fernandez. Um, and it was it was it was a poor poor foul, silly foul to give away. Um, again, Luca Dean, as we say, marking uh, marking Harry Maguire doesn't make any kind of sense. And then obviously Dallow, it's just it, the way it's leaped over him again. Not a particularly tall player, avoidable for me. So I think as much as the scoreline doesn't look great, I think like you said, Pete, you know we've got a week to sort of iron out the issues that we've had there because. If we think back to our time under Ancelotti, and obviously his son David was was you know the set piece master, if you like, and, and he really really sorted us out in terms of defending, especially from set pieces. And but we were already also potent when we were actually you know at our own corners and, and wide free kicks and things like that. But does it concern you, Pete, that looking at that game yesterday, all the good work that that was done under the previous management team could be could be undone? By by what we've seen in the setup yesterday. Well, I, I think you read you read my mind a little bit because <sighs> Rafa seems to favour a zonal marking system, and it it looked to me yesterday that that was more or less how we we set out, especially on the the corner. And you think back to you know yeah I know it's a different manager, different regime, but we had that sort of zonal system under Marco Silva, didn't we? And under Silva, it was almost like. We were impeccable. I think we had like a, a run of games where we had about eight or nine clean sheets, or people could score one or two past us, you know. Uh, and teams almost seem to smell blood a little bit on set pieces. So I, I, I do feel slightly concerned that we've got a new manager that's come in, not had a great deal of time to work with the players, and has probably likely gone back to a zonal system, because I com- I completely agree with you. Luca Dean should be nowhere near Harry Maguire. Um, you know, it sh- should be Godfrey or, or Keane, preferably Michael Keane. Uh, should should be stood on his toes and not allowing him to move and making it as difficult as possible for him to get off the ground because, you know, he's Manchester United's biggest threat in the air. He's one of the best headers of the ball, um, you know, in the Premier League. So I, I just don't understand why... Um, 
you know, we wouldn't set out with a with a plan in mind against him. And you know, who knows? Maybe you know, maybe maybe something different was said. You know, in the tactical setup or in the dressing room. But it's like when we had Tim Kale. I, I would I would always say, you know, when he scored headers or he scored the corners, why are teams persisting with a zonal system against Tim Kale? Because he's just going to score. He's just going to score against you. You let him in the box and let him run. He's just going to score goals. And I could never get get my head around it. Um, so I, I do feel slight, slightly concerned about the return to, to a zonal system, but hopefully, hopefully the yeah they, they get it right and um, it's just a preseason wobble. Hopefully, Lucas Dean's not against Vestergaard next week, then, because <laughs> I think he'll be out. Of course, yeah. There. Oh no, I know, of course. But like, like Pete says, though, when you, when you operate that zonal system, the the bigger players or the, the players who are better in the air will automatically pull onto the. The smaller players, and, and that's what we were seeing yesterday with, with Luca Dean. Uh, does it concern you, Jamie, in the same way? You know, seeing that yesterday without without obviously us being, you know, too dramatic. Is it a concern? To an extent, yeah. But I think we've got to realise that we've had so many managers the last few seasons, so this is bound to happen. And for it to work long term with Benitez, we've just got to suck it up, even if it's like a bit of teething problems to start off with. Some people might not like the zonal marking, but He's obviously got his plans to implement, so I think we've just got to be a bit patient with it once again. I know we say this all the time. Um, and we do have Yerry Mina and Michael Keane, in my opinion, they're the best headers of the ball. I do think that Audrey should be playing with one of the two. Um, but hopefully, yeah, in the future, we don't have anyone like Lucas Dean or Seamus Coleman trying to pick up one of the big boys. But it's inevitable for now. Um, but yeah, let, let's just hope that it doesn't start next Saturday. No, no of course, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, if you look at the the players who are missing as well, you know, the likes of obviously Calvert Lewin always gives you obviously he's a big, he's chasing yeah. the air. He gives you a little bit of security at the back from from set pieces. It's Charles, and you know he's not bad in the air himself. We've seen it in the Olympics. You know, he, he he's great, he's great in in the air. Um, so th- those kind of players to come back in in the early early part of the season will help. Obviously, John Philippe Bamman, he's a big lad. Someone else who'll come in and, and offer some security. So I think yesterday we just had a, a very, very small team, pretty much on the pitch, which didn't particularly help. When you've got players like Maguire, Lindelof, who were you know with the really, really, really big players and, and big threats, big threats in the air. Um, but I don't think I mean you know it's it's always reactionary after any game and. It's it's difficult to think to sort of tell people you know after a few seasons for anywhere you've been beaten four 0 that you know just needs to just calm down a little bit straight away after the game. I think people will probably will reflect today and going into next week, and I think the excitement will start to build for the first game of the season. It'll go to people's minds a little bit, and and we can then look forward. But it was it was very very toxic. I thought last night from what I saw, and just sort of try to try to switch off. But do, do you think it, I've got my own thoughts on this? But do you think, Jamie, it was a wise idea to to play a side like Manchester United, you know, the weekend before the season starts? Um, one of the, the better sides in the Premier League, always going to be a tough game. Do you think it was a wise idea by the club? Should we have gone for maybe slightly lesser opposition? What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm not sure if it was necessarily a massive choice because I, we couldn't have played any of the lower tier teams, so it would have been just Premier League teams. That's my understanding. Um, and yeah, why not test yourself against one of the best teams in the league and really show the flaws? 
it would be silly of us to play someone, one of the lesser teams, spank them, and then they don't expose any of the things that are wrong. So, yeah, I think it's fine by me. Get the funnel out of the way now and then go into the season and get things right. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, of, the same, I'm of the same belief because a lot of people weren't impressed with the, the organising. And I know when, when this fixture was first announced, the message behind it was that because of COVID, because of probably difficulties getting sides over here. I think it was Aston Villa should have been playing, um, was it Sevilla? And they had some players tested positive, so they couldn't travel over. So their game was cancelled in the end. They had an open uh, open signing session at Villa Park. Now, that's no good. You, you know, after all the the, the, you know, the uproar over COVID anyway and, and the way that it's, it's caused so many problems, you want to guarantee that you're going to actually get games and... We saw quite a few Premier League clubs. There was, a, I think, Newcastle played Norwich yesterday. A couple of Premier League clubs managed to get a game against La Liga teams. But I understand it. And, and Pete, I'm going to come to you in a second for your, for your view, because I know what it is anyway. Um, but I understand the want and the need to play against a top, top Premier League side from, one, the intensity point of view. You're going to get more from playing Manchester United than you would, say, playing a a lower division side from outside the country um, or even uh, a top division side from outside the country because the Premier League is probably the most intense league in the world. You, like you said, Jamie, the new manager will then see, listen, where are we now against the top, top Premier League side? What issues have we got? Who's not at the races? Who's not quite there fitness-wise? So I think it made perfect sense. I mean, whether people want to get beat 4-0 or not, it opened a few eyes. And mind you, you could learn, probably learn a lot from that game as opposed to, say, playing TNS at Goodison Park and beating them 5 or 6 nil. You know, So it, it made more sense to me to, to play uh, a top, top Premier League side. Pete, what do you think about it, though? Because I think you're, you're slightly different, aren't you? But I, I think it's understandable within the, the confines of, of the COVID pandemic, and I completely agree, better to play... United than to have a training session or, or you know not play anybody at, at all in any sort of competitive game but but I do think there's something quite psychologically damaging about going into your first game of the season off the back of a a 4-0 loss um you know no matter what the context um I don't want to seem like I'm contradicting what you know what I said previously about you know we have to take things into into sort of perspective in terms of the the lineup and who was missing from that team but I think in terms of the the players and the sort of team mentality, I just don't think it does you any good. Um, and, you know, may, maybe the, the evidence for that is if, if you look at historically how we who we tend to play, you know, it's normally a, a competitive team from another league, isn't it? You know, like, you know, maybe it's someone like Sevilla or, um, you know, I, I was going to say Werder Bremen, but they've gone downhill over there. <laughs> the past two or three years, but it's normally you know someone of that of that ilk, you know, like a top eight, top ten Spanish German side, um, you know, where you will you will find out things about um, you know about the squad and individuals and the tactical setup, but without it risking you know becoming quite damaging, I, I think to the momentum of going into the first game, you know, because you want to be going into that game against Southampton with confidence. You know, we 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 expect to win this. We're at home. All our fans are back. Um, and I'm not saying that's gone down the drain because of a preseason friendly, but I just don't think it stands you in the best in the best stead. 
possibly not. I mean, you know, this, as we've we've discussed, then there's arguments for both sides here, isn't there, in terms of how it could impact um, and and the pros and cons of each. But I think if if we go to Old Safford yesterday, and we say get a draw or we win the game, people don't even mention the fact that we played Man United in in a negative context. So you know, it's it's very much down to to the players and how they perform on the pitch. And you know, there's a lot of things we need to take into account yesterday, including the players that were missing. Including the fact that we, you know, there was there was no striker, that that obviously highlights, you know, like we we said previously, the the gaps we've got on the squad at this moment in time, and we all know the situation. Go on, Peter, you guys have been there. Well, I was just going to say, I think we played them again, um, October time. I think it might be second yeah. October, something like that, at Old Trafford. So, you know, it might be a good little um, little comparator. I think it will, and by that time, obviously, transfer windows closed. We've everyone's done the business. You know, players who aren't going to be there will be gone. Play, you know, any new players that are going to come in will, will be in. Um, but it does highlight, obviously, what we already know. We are short in certain areas, whether that be a backup centre forward, whether that be, you know, someone to, to take over from Seamus Coleman at some point in the season. Uh, you can argue, you know, another winger, centre mid. You know, there's there's a few positions there that we could look to look to strengthen. We all know what the situation is. We all know we need to shift shift players out. You know, a couple of players on the on the pitch yesterday. You know, like to Fabian Delph. You haven't seen him. He obviously didn't didn't travel to to Orlando. Um, so he would. You know, first time we've seen him for a little while. He's one of the names who's been linked with a move with a move away. Um, there was talk potentially Yeri Mean is being linked with a move away. Um, not sure how how true that actually is. Um, and like to Moise Keane obviously wasn't wasn't in the squad yesterday. Uh, another player who's who's been linked linked with the move away. So there's definitely going to be incomings and outgoings. And like you say, Pete, the, the best way to sort of judge judge things will be com- comparing the, the game against United yesterday, the pre-season friendly, to when we when we played them at the start of start of October at Old Trafford. And that'll be a good indication of how settled we are, how settled any new players are, and, ha- and how settled we are with the with the new manager, um, which obviously. De- Vitally important we get off to a good start next week, which we're going to discuss in a second. But you know, to, to sort of start that off on a on a positive note, um, everyone's back on the ground. Pete, fantastic to, to have a as full as can be Goodison Park. I think there's going to be a bit of a red, a red zone around the dugouts. So anyone who's in the family enclosure right by the dugouts, I think, have been moved. So there's going to be a few empty seats there because of obviously COVID restrictions and, and things like that and safety. But the, the first time. You know, in 18 months that we're going to have a near capacity Goodison Park, and you know, it, it's it's really exciting to, to be back at that particular point. You know, something which we we've all probably taken for granted over, over well, over our, our lifetime, really. Yeah, I absolutely can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. And, and do you know, in a, in a weird way, I'm almost trying not to get too too excited because if the world's taught us anything over the past 18 months, is it it can change like that. Um, I think I, I did. I went to the Wolves game, didn't I? Um, toward the end of the season, season, but I had uh, I had tickets for the City game in the ballot before that got cancelled and rearranged. So I'm trying not to get my hopes too high. But the way it's looking, I, I almost can't believe it that you know we're going to have like pretty much you know almost forty thousand fans in that stadium. The noise will just be incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to. I think it'll be absolutely fantastic, and I hope. 
And I, I think I believe that that will lift the players. I think it will be probably quite an emotional experience for, for both sets of players to be playing back in you know, a full-packed stadium again. Um, I know it was nearly there through the Euros, but club football's different. Um, club football's very different. And I, I think just to have... Yeah, just to be around so many Evertonians again. And, you know, especially people forget, I think, what, nearly 30,000 of our... Our allocation is for season ticket holders, so a lot of people go in the match, see the same people week in, week out, you've not seen for the best part of a year. Um, so it's it's going to be a really special day, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be it's going to be emotional, like you say, Pete, for the players, but I think the fans especially, you know, we as I say, we've probably taken it for granted, and when it was taken away, something which we've done, you know, every other week for God knows how many years. When it's taken away, you, you think you do learn to appreciate it more. And I know we've had a few little little dabbles with fans over the last last you know couple of seasons or season and a half with you know two thousand there and the Wolves game was a bit more was it six thousand for the Wolves game uh, at the, the back end of of last season. But nothing compares to a full a full Goodison Park. Even better, Southampton have sent out the tickets back as well because they couldn't fill out the away allocation. I won't comment on that, but that, that's poor that's poor form when you haven't been to. To an away game for God knows how long, but fantastic for us. More Evertonians in the ground, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, hopefully, it lifts the players. It's got to, you know. We, I think when when Lee spoke to Seamus Coleman last the back end of last season, when we were struggling a little bit, um, and he said, you know, the players were it was getting to the players not having that bit of a push from the fans. I think it showed with our our home form how poor the home form actually was. You know, the fact that. Uh, our players really, really need need the that extra extra push from the uh, you know thirty five, thirty six thousand Evertonians inside Goodison Park. But the the biggest the biggest question mark that I've got, you know, there was reports yesterday of Everton fans singing the Rogersy songs to the new manager, um, and a question mark remains, especially you know as the game goes on, you know, if maybe things aren't going our way. Do do you think, Jamie, that the, the fans have got a responsibility to to really really stick with the the players and manager and not get on get on his back because it's it's we've already seen incidents I think with Hamas Rodriguez potentially moving the managers getting the blame yesterday people putting the blame at the manager's door it's too easy I think isn't it to to throw it all at the manager especially so early on I, yeah I think so and responsibilities quite a strong word because if we put that on people you know what they'll just say don't tell me what to do and it's 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 really it's really dangerous to tell Evertonians how they should be feeling because we're all very emotional um but I do feel that it's not going to do any good to get on the manager's back it's not going to do any good singing silly songs the Hamid Rodriguez stuff on Twitter is ridiculous like I think there were reasons for that which is his wage packet and maybe we wanted to bring in other people I would love to keep Rodriguez but I think to blame a manager for that and a manager for this, it's it's a bit silly in my eyes. And I do feel this weekend needs to be, as Pete said, it's exciting, it's emotional. Going to the game, the lead-up to the game, you're seeing your mates, you're seeing your family, you're all together. It should be positive. And God forbid we go 1-0, 2-0 down. If it turns toxic, it's just going to ruin everyone's match day experience and for the rest of the season. Whereas I think the responsibility should be make a positive atmosphere and uh, get behind each other, smile, enjoy being around each other, have a drink or two 
and just enjoy Everton again because we've all missed it. And I'm if I'm watching it at 10 a.m. here on TV, I want to hear. I want don't want to hear the commentators. I want to hear a raucous Goodison Park. I don't want to hear booze and hissing because that's just going to all the Everton fans watching overseas waking up in Australia at 2 a.m. If we hear that, it brings a negative vibe to us as well. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm telling everyone what to do, but just go into it and enjoy it, really. That's my um, my thoughts. Very, very, very good use of language, though, saying about not, not telling fans what to, what to do. Very, very good. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, like you say, we're not here to tell people what to do. People can think for, them, for themselves, yeah. of course. They can, you know, it's, people have got their own minds, their own opinions. You know, we, we've had the discussion about Benitez since, since he came in, and he certainly wasn't the top of, of any Evertonians list. He wasn't the top of our list. I was, I was think I was dead against it, to be perfectly honest. And um, it happened. He's been brought in. And basically, if, if he fails, then we fail as a club. If, if, if he doesn't do well, we don't do well. We don't experience success. We don't have, like, you know, the, the match-going experience is so important after so long away. You don't have enjoyable match going experiences, and that that's just no good. You know, we we've 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 got to we've got to basically in some cases, but some people have got to just bite the lip. In my opinion, you know, people can can tell me different. I'm feel free to do so, but we we have got to be better in that. We've we, it's too easy to and and the media are waiting for it. The media can't wait for this to turn sour. By the way, and we don't want that. We 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 don't want to be. Front and back page news again because you, you know another manager's gone and it's gone exactly the way that so and so said it would go. And what were we doing? Think about bringing an next Liverpool manager into the club and this, that, and the other. It is what it is. It's done. Let, let's get on with it. Let's back the players. We all want we all want the same thing. We all want success. You know, the, the season for me, we we did a, a, an article for, for BC Sport. The, the approach was last week. So we did a, a quick preview for them about the season. Now, you know, but we're probably the, the three of us are, are probably eternal optimists when it comes to Everton, to be perfectly honest. And you know, we we, we probably see a little bit more in 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 the club and in players, and maybe other fans do. Whether that's whether that's totally blind blind faith, whether it's because of years of of not winning things, I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I feel based on you know the questions I was being asked there and and the responses that were given. You know, generally the optimism is there. I think if we look at that squad that we've got, you know, when we bring in a couple, couple more players, we were sitting second of Christmas last year. In February, we went to Anfield a month for the first time since 1999. You know, we did the same players, and people were talking, people were talking that side up, saying, "Listen, this squad's a strong squad." You think now the mentality shift is there. We've gone to this place and won. We've gone to that place and won. You know, we're, we're certainly we're certainly moving forward. So the body of those players are there; they're still there. And hopefully, you know, with with the additions of of Grey Townsend, obviously Begovic to a lesser extent, but a couple more through the door. There's no reason why, in our opinion, we can't be fighting for Europe once again. And we should be fighting for Europe once again when you've got quality players, the likes of obviously Luca Dean, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Jordan Pickford, Ben Godfrey. You know, whoever it might be. We've got a strong body of players there, and every single season, regardless of the manager, that side should be fighting for European football. And last season, we let ourselves down in those last thirteen games. It was the three wins in thirteen games last season. The wheels fell off. We let we let ourselves down. I'd argue we let the manager down. And for me, there's no reason why that 
that squad of players cannot fight for European football. So we've got to go into the season, I think, with, with optimism. We've got to go into the season back of the minds, yeah. We've got to go into the season believing that we can that we can do something because going there full of doom and gloom, expected to get to be to be defeated. You know, our home form was horrific last season. You know, if we could have won two or three more games at home, we're in Europe. But the home form was poor. And for me, that was down to the fact that we need we need the fans to be there. So Saturday, for me, really important we get off to a good start. Really important the fans are on board from, you know, before kickoff. You know, I'm sure the players will get a great reception. You know, I'm sure they will. It's 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 been far too long. Um, you know, Hamez will probably he's gonna be in the squad, I would have thought. Um, so you know, give them a great reception, give all the players a great reception. You know, let, let's get back to doing what we've what we enjoy the most. And that's that's important, that's important the club. But you know, it's a it's a tough game, Pete. You know, regardless of any any opening fixture, if it's totals over the years, you know, it's any opening fixture is is a tough opening fixture. We're we're lucky that we're at home. So great, great for everyone that we're at home first game of the season. Hopefully the weather changes and it's a little bit brighter than it's been for the last the last week or so. It's a proper opening opening uh, fixture of the season. Um but Southampton will 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 come in. You know, they, they've made a, a few signings. Obviously, Theo Walcott has signed permanently from obviously from Everton uh, after his loan spell last season. But they've they've lost, haven't they? They've lost a couple of players as well. Southampton, you know, Danny Ings probably being the main one where you look at he was certainly, you know, he was their, their top goal scorer last season. He's been a thorn on our side, you know, even at Liverpool when he couldn't really buy a goal, he scored against us. Um but, you know, we've got to go in there believing we can win the game, but not take it for granted by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm i always impressed with um, Southampton under, under Hassan Hootl. Like, they're, they're a strange team because they, they went through that period, didn't they, where it, it looked like he was going to lose his job. What, didn't they lose, Was it like 9-1 or something to Leicester? What was that defeat they had? Yeah, 9-0. I don't know, Leicester, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, he managed to to sort of turn it around and get them playing some really good football, got them really fit, really organised. Uh, he seems to get the best out of James Ward-Prowse, who uh, I, I think is a brilliant player. Um, but yeah, the loss of Danny Ings is massive for them. Um, and I think he could really hamper the season. So I think we need to win the midfield battle. Um, I think that's absolutely key. I think we've got to be better than their central players and not let them get on the ball, um, not let them break out. And if we get the first goal, uh, I, I think there could be goals in the game. My head says, you know, tight 1-0, cautious. But I think, you know, fans backing Goodison for the first time, I think it will really lift the players. I hope the players will be really up for it. If Calvert-Lewin only does have a knock and starts, I think he'll be massively up for it because I, I, I felt for him during the Euros. I thought he had slightly a, a disappointing tournament where he wasn't really valued. Um Especially that Scotland game, it was it was just criminal um, not to bring him on and you know give him a chance to show what he can do. So I think he'll be really hungry this season, and I'm, I'm expecting him to have a great season. So um, I I think we might win a, a cheeky two nil um, with lots of action in front of goal. Stay there with a the prediction, Peter. Love it. Um, but what do you think, Jamie? In terms of you know, do you think we're going to go? We're going to win the game? The you know what's I mean, one of the questions I've got is if he's available, Jean-Philippe Gabamon, who plays in midfield? Because I think I think he'll always settle on two out of the three. So it's Alan, Decore, 
and Gabamon. Obviously, we can argue Tom Davis, Andre Gomez talks that he might be moving on. We do, we just don't know. But do you think that that Gabamon might be thrown straight in there for his uh, for his Goodison bow in front of? Well, I say bow. He, he did he did play against Watford when he not long after he first signed, but after so long out for him to come back and, and play in front of a full house, do you think he's uh, going to get the nod? First of all, yeah, I know you guys are optimists. I'm exactly the same. Like I always go into games, unfortunately, thinking we're going to win, and that's just even worse for when we get let down on occasion. Um, but yeah, I do think in to your question about Gabamon, I I honestly, from seeing Decoy, he doesn't look up to speed at the moment. Alan looks a bit better. I would pair him and Gabamon because Gabamon's strong. Like even in the um the two games in in Orlando, he just looks like a unit and he does actually look up to match fitness. Um, he just needs to shoot more because once he lets rip, imagine if he scores at the, at the street end, or it would be incredible. But yeah, I, I do think that that would give him a massive lift to be on the starting lineup with a full um, Goodison after so long. But yeah, the middle middle of midfield, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a tricky one at the moment because none of us know who Benito's Favors in that position. He's been kind of testing it out, and I, I, I actually think Tom Davis is in, in with a shout because he's had a decent preseason. Looks positive on the ball. Hasn't actually given the ball away where he would have been past season. So I think his decision making has probably improved in that sense. Um, but yeah, I think any any of those players, I would be quite comfortable comfortable with, so long as we we've just got that. Um, the right mentality of driving forward and keeping the ball moving forward because that's my big frustration when we're just going sideways, backwards. Fabian Delft was doing it and it was just driving me mad. He just loved to just touch the ball and go nowhere, which is one of my biggest frustrations. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think Delft's in with his shout to, to start the game, no. to, to be honest. But uh, we'll we'll see, of course. But I think what what we've seen throughout pre-season, you know, it's it sort of uh, does does definitely cement the fact that you like to play a counter-attack in football. I think the players that are being brought in will certainly complement that. I think Obama could, could really be great to, to play in that particular way. We've seen him, especially that second game um, against Pumas when, when he came on and he was driving with the ball, um, you know, driving driving through midfield. He's a big, big, strong lad. He was drawing fouls. He, you know, he, he was pushing people off and it would be great to see him getting, you know, after a, a pretty full pre-season for him, Great to, to see him playing regular football. I think he can be a, he can be a real asset. We saw Ben Godfrey yesterday two or three times driving out of defence with the with the ball, which again that was that was great to see. You know we know he's got pace, and you know a couple of times he's, he's approaching the area with the ball, and people can't catch him. And again that will draw fouls and it will make things happen. So I think you know we we are certainly set up to to counter teams. Um, I mean obviously we don't know. Whether the emotion of the first game back at Goodison Park with, with fans will will massively massively impact how the players maybe play the game because with all the you know the best will in the world you can go out there with a game plan and and things can take over but it could be a real positive you know it could be a real positive where you know we, we are a little bit sort of eager to please you know we're throwing our foot in and you know as long as it's controlled in in, in a in a manner then it, it should be great I mean Alan said himself over the, the last week or so, we can't wait to, to play in front of fans. And I think he's been, been given a bit of a bad bad uh, rap at times over the last couple of weeks as well. I've, I've noticed and even the back end of last season. And I think he's, he's another player who will thrive, you know, when playing in front of 
in front of a crowd, putting his foot in. You know, he's I think he's he's great at breaking up play, and and fans will will see that. Um, but it'll be intriguing to see how how the game develops, and hopefully, you know, I just I just hope that we can get a, an early goal, and you know, just calm things down a touch in terms of any potential nerves within the crowd and. For the manager and for the for the players, let's let's get the get the ball rolling, get an early goal, and and have a, a relaxed afternoon, which we've not experienced for a little while at Goodison Park. But Jamie, I'll ask you, I'll give you a prediction. We always like to say, like to end on predictions. Pete's gone in with a two 0 early doors. He's not messing around. Uh, what do you say? I I, th- I think we're going to concede, but I'd say three one, three one win. Three one. We, we can see from a set piece, no doubt. Look, yeah, look at the guards, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. But no, I I can see yeah, I can see us conceding. You know, I I think it's going to be a it's going to be an eventful game. Really do I, I can see it being a two one, which would be a repeat. Marco Silva's first game in charge against Southampton at Goodison Park. Um, I can see a repeat of that. So I'm going I'm going two one Everton. Um, hopefully we though the fans do get to see Hammers Rodriguez whether he stays or goes, we will we will find out. Um, but. If Dominic Calvert-Lewin plays that, I, I expect Dom to, to start the season as he as he uh, finished the last the last season. Um, well, let's hope let's hope so. Um, and for those as well, so those who are into to the fantasy football, our league is live. So there's a auto join link on our on our Twitter feed. So make sure you get involved with that. There's a, there's a prize for the for the winner. League one last season, I said to someone this week, he, he spends all season looking at these forums and researching. Who's injured? Who's fit? Who plays a particular way? So Lee won last season, um, so it'd be, be really nice to knock him off his off his perch. That's that's for sure. So get involved. The link is on Twitter. I'll put it out again over the course of over the course of next week. Uh, and all I have to say is, Jamie, really appreciate you taking some time out of your out of your morning over in over in New York. It's been great. Hopefully, you can have me on again once we're on a winning streak in a few months. Hopefully, yeah, listen. Hopefully, so if we if we if we go on a winning streak, we'll, we'll definitely definitely get you on. But no, you, you're more than welcome anytime. Uh, I'm sure over the course of next season, we'll have you have you back on the show. Uh, hopefully, with Everton Everton flying high and maybe proving proving a few people wrong as well. So that's us for this week. Anyway, really appreciate everyone everyone listening. Hope you enjoyed enjoyed this week's show and. We'll be back next weekend to, to look back at that first game of the Premier League season. Hopefully a positive outcome. Hopefully everyone gets the game and really enjoys it. Make sure that you do. Back the lads. I'm going to catch you next week. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Podcast Network.